Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Get right into it. Today, I want you to love with abandon and be freed from the pressure of having to get it all right. This frees us into the abundant life we're created for. Anybody on board? Loving with abandon and being freed from the pressure of having to get it all right to free us into the abundant life we've been created to live. When we experience, when we see abundant, abandoned love, I think we all know it. In honor of Mother's Day, I want to tell a mother's story uh, that I think exemplifies this for me in my life. Um, The first time I worked at Disney World, I was in fourth grade. Um, I was in a show called Holiday Splendor at the American Gardens Theater where Candlelight is now. And it was this show that like talked about Christmas around the world and um, it was two little kids and this adult woman and she like took us around and showed us Christmas around the world. Well, we had to have rehearsals after the park closed. So there were these successions of nights in November where we were doing dress rehearsals on stage and it was after the park closed and they'd go to like two in the morning and as a fourth grader, it was like the coolest thing in the world to be at Epcot, that two in the morning. I just remember one night, it was really, really cold. And uh, there were two casts of kids and we alternated nights. Um, We did three shows and then the next night, the the other group of kids would do three and then we'd come back and do that. And um, the other kids were on the stage doing a run through. And so me and the other girl that that I was in the show with, um, we were just sitting out in the seats. And it was cold that night and my mom was there as she always was. And she was the one who kind of like hauled me back and forth to all these things, driving up and down I-4 every day to get me to rehearsals and that kind of thing. And um, we were sitting there and she had brought all these blankets and we were watching the other rehearsal happening on stage and we were just under these blankets in the cold of this exciting, like we were the only people at Epcot, just like cuddled there. And then um, we had some longer breaks and we would walk around that lake, you know, that is the, the world showcase and we'd be the only people walking around the lake at night and Disney is like masters of ambiance. And so like all night long, like all that ambient lighting that they have, like just stays on all night long. And so we're walking, you know, around and it's slowly lit and we're just, you know, there together. And I think when we think about the nurturing love of a parent, you know, I think it's fitting that we're talking about abandoned love on Mother's Day because I think mothers get this, the idea that they would just do whatever it takes for the children that they love. And for me, that was an expression of that. And we experience it with parents. We experience abandoned love with others we love, that freedom to just fully be ourselves to the point where we laugh deeply. You know, those laughs that like make you feel more alive because you're laughing them from the bottom of your gut. Or Augustus Galoop and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory when he sees that chocolate river and cannot resist running to it and scooping up chocolate into his mouth because he has such abandoned love for chocolate. When we see abandoned love, we know it. And that's such a contrast to this idea of having to perform well and having to get everything right and the pressure and the fear that comes with a performance-based mentality. 
that fear that if we mess up, that something is going to be done to us or that we will lose the love and favor of the people in our lives. For me, this is like a really real example and just something very simple. Um, I go to, a couple weeks ago, I was at a, a theater audition, and I go to auditions pretty regularly, and there's kind of two ways to walk into an audition. One of them is this performance-based mentality where I'm afraid of getting all the lines right. Did I memorize it well enough? Did I get the blocking right? Am I going to do this audition the way that I rehearsed it? And there's this immobilizing fear that's based in a performance mentality. The other way to approach a moment like that is to say, all right, here I am in this moment. I've done what I can to prepare for it. And now I'm going to walk into this moment with a sense of freedom and be present here. Be present with the people in the room. Be present with the content. Be present with the blocking and not being prisoned in by it, but rather knowing that I can come in this room and be present with the material and with the other people and experience it freely. And I think in so many moments of life, we have these opportunities where we're going to choose one or the other, where we're going to choose this restrictedness that comes from a performance-based mentality, or we're going to choose into the freedom of being present. And I think abandoned love has so much to do with our ability to be present in a moment and experience it fully. My word for 2018 at the beginning of the year, I don't have my keys with me, but we have those washers that at the beginning of the year, we say, all right, Lord, what are you calling us into for this year? And my phrase for this year was own it. And the reason I chose that phrase, because in so many ways, I feel like I am so often immobilized by this fear of performance-based mentality. And I just want to walk into a moment and own the freedom that I have in Christ to be present with the people there, to not exist in some sort of prison of performance, but to be present and free in every moment, to just go for it. And this exists in relationships, it exists in tasks that I have to do, it exists in jobs, it exists in presentation, it exists in everything that we do. This opportunity to experience the freedom of a life of abandon. And we see this tension in the life of Peter, and that's what we're going to focus in on. So if I say the life of Peter, and I say Peter, boat, and water, what story comes to mind? Come on, come on, abandon, abandon. Say it with abandon. What comes to mind? Peter walking on water, right? So they're out on the sea of, right? Yeah. And and what comes a, right? Yeah. And then they're all in the boat and they're scared. And Peter and the other disciples, they look out and they see fish. They see clouds. They see lightning. They also see yeah, thank you, Jesus, right? He's walking, he's, he's this illuminated figure walking on the water. They're even increasingly scared in that moment, but then they see that it's Jesus, and then Jesus calls to Peter, and Peter decides to step out on the water. And we see this story unfold in the life of Peter. And for me, when I would think of Peter and boat and water, that's the story I would think of. Well, the singletons were teaching several weeks ago. And they read this story from the book of John, the last chapter of John, I think, John 21. Uh, And I'm just going to read this story to us because for me, it, it illuminated so much in my own life about this contrast between a performance mentality 
in living life with abandoned love. So Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's appeared to the disciples, and this is where we pick it up. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire uh, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. Peter had tried to get life right over and over and over again. And there were all of these moments in Peter's life where he tried and tried and tried to do the right thing. And I think that story that we are most familiar with, that story where Peter is called out onto the water and we look at him on the edge of the boat, taking his foot and stepping over and walking on water, and then is, will he have enough faith? Will he be able to accomplish this task? We see that story. Right? And for me, that story represents so much of how I have approached my own life. Will I perform right? Will I be good enough? Can I do it? Will I have enough faith? And when the singletons read this story of Peter in this boat, seeing his friend whom he loved on the shore of the lake, and when he found out who it was, he, with abandoned love for the friend that he loved, was not concerned with anyone's opinion of him. He was not concerned with getting it right. He was not concerned with having enough faith. He was spurred on by a love that was marked with abandon, wrapped his clothes around him, jumped into the water, and swam to the shore. And when I heard the singletons read this passage, when they taught a couple weeks ago, it opened up a new sense of life in me to remind me what life with God is all about. Are there processes where we grow and we grow in our faith and we are tested and we step into moments of challenge? Yes. But on the foundation of who we are is the foundation of our life with God and our life lived in community and our life with other people marked by a sense of freedom that comes from being so loved and in love that we can live with abandon. And I think that is the fullness of life that God calls us to. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. What happens when we live with that kind of abandoned love? 
What happens in our lives when we live with that sense of abandoned love that spurs up from a deep sense of connectedness with God and with others? First, loving with abandon gets us moving. And this is what we see in that story with Peter, right? This moment of, is he going to get out of the boat? Will he walk on water? Can he do it? This is like the defining thing. Books have been written about this moment. There is a book that is called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. And there's this sense of like, will we do it? Can we do it? And in a performance mentality, we are immobilized by the idea that if we try, we will fail. And when we live in the prison of a performance mentality, so often it just prevents us from even taking the first step. And then that's what we see happening in the life of Peter when he decides to jump out of the, out of, out of the boat when he sees his friend on the shore. Peter just jumps in the water. He gets wet. His passionate love for his friend leads him. And there are these challenging moments in life, those romantic moments where you're asking yourself in your heart and in your mind, am I going to lean in halfway? And will the other person lean in halfway to meet me there? Right? There are these moments that are just like, if we're worried about the fear of performing right, we won't lean in. But when love leads us, there is a freedom that draws us into the moment. Loving with abandon is the ultimate act of faith because it isn't predicated on knowing that things will turn out right. So much of our faith, we call faith because we think we know how things are going to end up and therefore we step out into it. That is not faith at all. True faith, the ultimate act of faith is loving with abandon, allowing love to prompt us deeper in not knowing what is going to happen when we do. That is what faith is. And so I think so many of us have formulated a faith inside of a box that lets us know if we do, then this will happen and everything will be okay. But that is not faith. If we can wake up in the morning and say that I know how everything is going to work out today, I don't know if we're living a life of faith. But if we wake up in the morning and we say, Lord, I am in such love with you, and it, we look at the people around us and we say, I have such love for you that we're willing to step into moments where we don't know what the outcome will be. That is a life of true faith. And loving with abandon gets us moving. It frees us from that immo immobilization that comes from this performance mentality. And it welcomes us into a life that is spurred on by abandoned love. Next, loving with abandon frees us from the fear of having to be good enough. Anybody wrestle with this? The fear of having to be good enough? Will they like me? Can I do it? What will they think? We are really good at judging Peter when we hear the story of him walking on water, right? Well, Jesus is there. Why wouldn't he just step out of the boat sooner? Jesus is there. Why wouldn't he have more faith and not start sinking? Earlier on in his life with Jesus, Jesus says this thing to Peter when Peter is talking to him. And, and, and Peter's talking about, oh, maybe we can save you from, from the cross or whatever's to come. And 
Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And it's really easy for us to judge Peter in hindsight. Well, like, didn't Peter know what was going to happen? Like, why would he ever say that to Jesus? Of course. Like, why couldn't he have done better? And we judge him. If only he had more faith when he was walking on water. If only he would have understood the role of Jesus. That moment when the rooster crows and it's been prophesied that he would deny Christ three times. And yet he does it. And we look at him and we say, if only he would have not been such a coward. It's really easy for us to judge Peter. And I think oftentimes we're immobilized by this same fear of other people judging us. But when Peter jumped out of that boat into the water when he saw his friend Jesus on the shore, he was not immobilized by the fear of having to be good enough. He was freed into a moment that was prompted by love that caused him to be released from that fear and live with abandon. And sometimes Peter gets it wrong and sometimes he gets it right, like at Pentecost that we'll be talking about next week, where Peter stands up and all these people have come and gathered around and he preaches to them the message of Jesus. But Peter is human and that is what is to be expected. But sometimes he'll get things wrong and sometimes he'll get things right. And the same is true for you and me. As humans, we should hope to do well, but we mustn't be devastated if we come up short. That is what it means to be human. And that is not an excuse. It's just a reality that frees us from this performance mentality of having to be good enough. And it welcomes us into the abandoned freedom of love that we are loved by God no matter how good or not good we are at something in a particular moment. That hopefully we have people in our lives that will love us no matter what happens, whether we mess up or whether we get everything right. Abandoned love welcomes us into the freedom of being freed from the fear of having to be good enough. When we fear not being good enough, we mistakenly rely on formulas to get us there. When we fear not being good enough, we mistakenly rely on formulas to get us to a place where we think we'll be good enough. And this is a really like confusing and challenging thing, I think, for me. Um, and I'll tell you this story, like, right? We, we have this verse and, um, where Jesus talks about like having the faith of a mustard seed and being able to move mountains. And when I, oftentimes when I hear that verse out loud, like read or taught about, I think about this moment when I was 16, 16 or 17, I was in high school and, um, I had gone over to my grandparents' house. They were here in Orlando. My family lived here in Orlando. And, um, and we had found out that my grandmother had lung cancer. And we spent some time together and we prayed together and then I left and I was driving alone in my car. And uh, it was late at night and, and the sun was down and it was dark outside and I was driving up, um, up the road next to Wadeview Park over by Boone High School and I remember coming to an intersection and uh, this chicken restaurant was on my right and just like right there in the middle of it, I'm praying and I decide that I'm gonna just, I'm gonna drive longer that night. I'm just gonna spend this time alone in my car. I'm not gonna go straight home. I'm gonna drive around for a while and I'm gonna pray. And I was praying with deep earnestness. 
I was praying with a deep faith, trusting that the Lord could heal my grandmother. I believed that God could get rid of the cancer in her body. And over the next few months, um, she was in and out of the hospital, and she was being treated, and, um, and then hospice came to the house. And in that bedroom where she and my grandfather had lived for literally decades, and that I had spent time with them, she was deteriorating in her bed with a hospice nurse at the bedside. And in my construct of how I understood my faith in that season, and even so many times today, I think, did I just not get the formula right? Because a a few weeks after hospice came, she passed away from lung cancer. Did I not get the formula right? Did I not have enough faith? What was wrong with me? Was I not good enough? Were the people who were praying alongside of her not good enough? Did we not have enough faith? Were our prayers not honest enough? Did we not love God enough? Everything went to this idea of being good enough. And I don't know what to do with that story. I don't know what to do with that reality. But I know that if I try to live my life on formulas that I've set up for my faith, that I will constantly be disappointed. And I think that it says a lot about the nature of what faith is. That faith isn't setting up a bunch of formulas to make us feel like if we check all the boxes, we'll be good enough and we'll get it right. True faith is rooted in a love that is defined by abandon for God. That no matter what happens and no matter who we are and no matter whether or not we think we get it right or we get it wrong, that our life and our faith is defined by a love that just when we see Jesus will allow us the freedom to jump in the water and get wet so that we can run and be with him. That is the deep reality of faith. That is what living with a loved, an abandoned love brings us to. Because replacing love with a formula will never work. Replacing love with a formula will never work. Um, One of my friends, I think, is an, an amazing example of this, like uh, this idea of, of loving with abandon. Like more than anybody I've ever seen, his name is Bob. And like the first time I met him, I was in a room and there were probably 20 people in that room. And when Bob arrived, he literally walked around the room and greeted every single person in that room with a smile and exuberance and hugged most of them. Bob wrote a book, and in that book, he tells this story where he had just kind of met his what would be future wife, and at the time, they didn't really have much of a relationship at all, but he was head over heels in love with this woman. And so he got this like giant check and some balloons and a bunch of flowers and he got in an elevator and it was super awkward and I'm not sure what he wrote on the check. I should probably go back and read that. For, I don't think it was a dollar amount. He wasn't paying her. Um, <laughs> or maybe it was a card, not a check. Maybe it was a giant card. It was a card. That would make way more sense in this story, right? 
He got this giant card and these balloons and these flowers and he found out where she worked and he's going up in this elevator and he's thinking, maybe this is really weird and awkward and I should turn back now. But he doesn't and he goes and he gives her this giant card at the front desk of the office and these balloons and these flowers and it's this awkward moment and it was embarrassing for her and it was probably embarrassing for him. And there's all of these things that are at work in the back of our minds all the time it's like, am I good enough? Will she like me? Will they think I'm weird? Or will they think this is cool? Like all of these things that we have going on in the back of our mind. But in those moments where we're prompted by abandoned love, something divine happens. Something beautifully divine happens. And I think that's exactly what we see in the life of Peter that loving with abandon frees us from the fear of having to be good enough. And when Peter saw Jesus on that shore, he didn't care what anybody thought. He just jumped in the water and got all wet and swam like a madman a hundred yards in the Sea of Galilee to the shore so that he could eat breakfast with his friend. Do you have those moments in your life with God? Do you have those moments in your life with other people where you see them, they walk in the room unexpectedly and you light up both on the outside and the inside and you can't help but go to them and embrace them. We need that kind of love in our lives. Without it, we are not alive. And so I wanna invite us into that today, loving with abandon. So loving with abandon gets us moving. Loving with abandon frees us from the fear of having to be good enough. Loving with abandon frees us from our insecurities. I think this one will resonate maybe with a lot of us. There are so many ways Peter could have defined his relationship with Jesus. He had had a lot of awkward moments with Jesus, right? There was this moment where they're having a conversation and Jesus literally looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, that is an awkward moment, right? And just, just a short time before, there was this moment where this friend, who he obviously loves, had said, you're going to deny me. And he said, no way am I going to deny you. Yet he does. And there are these moments of insecurity and awkwardness that Peter could have used to define his relationship with Jesus. In that moment, when they figure out, they're in that boat and they cast the net over the other side and they pull it up and it's full of fish and they figure out that the person on shore is Jesus. In that moment, all of those memories could have defined Peter's relationship with Jesus. Ooh, I'm gonna stay right here in this boat because my relationship with Jesus is defined on these awkward moments and I think he hates me. Right? Don't we do that? Like, hopefully we're laughing because we're like, oh my goodness, I do that every day. Where we define our lives and our relationships, both with God and others, based on our own insecurities of what we perceive they might think of us. But Peter did not allow those awkward moments with Jesus to be the thing that defined his relationship with him. 
He was freed from his insecurities. He was freed from what the people around him would think. What will the other disciples think? What would the other people on shore think? What even would Jesus think? He just allows his abandoned love to prompt him to jump in the water and swim to Jesus. Loving with abandon frees us to focus on pouring our goodness over others. And I think that's a a really hopeful shift for me in my life. And hopefully it's something that we can all begin stepping into more and more every day, that we would move away from our insecurities that force us to turn inward and instead love with abandon, which frees us to focus on pouring our goodness over other people. And we see this love as almost uh, an, an ever-increasing commodity that we get to pour out over other people. And so instead of being immobilized by our own securities and these like weird things that are happening in our heart and in our gut, when abandoned love wells up inside of us, it prompts us to be generous with our goodness in an outward manner. And so much of this series is about that. How are we translating love into the world around us? And when you and I are immobilized by this performance mentality, everything turns inward. Everything is about our own insecurities. Everything is about what everybody else is going to think of us. But when we step into the freedom of abandoned love, it gives us the ability to focus on pouring our goodness over other people in the outward direction. And lastly, this loving with abandon frees us from the fear of messing up. Loving with abandon frees us from the fear of messing up. Anybody ever feel immobilized by perfectionism? Any perfectionists out there? Hello, two of you? Awesome, cool. All right, well, I'll skip over this one really quick because it's not really applicable. So I think a lot of times perfectionism is, when we say we want to overcome perfectionism, we think, oh, we'll just get to the point where nothing matters. And I don't think that is what overcoming perfectionism is at all. Things still matter. Things are important. Situations and moments and doing things well is of importance. But what freedom from perfectionism is about is no longer living in the fear of messing up and instead using everything as an opportunity to create a meaningful moment. That perfectionism isn't about saying, oh, we don't care about that. Perfectionism is saying, I'm no longer living in the fear of messing up and no matter what happens, it's an opportunity to seize the moment. This is like something that I've learned in a huge way from taking improv classes. One of the tenets of improv is that everything is an offer. Everything is an offer. Every moment has something to offer. When you're on stage, every movement on stage is a moment. It's an offer. Everything that's said on stage is an offer. And if you walk into it having your own agenda of how the scene should go, it's going to be a disaster. And if you walk into it with angst or anger about what's being said on stage, or if you look at something or someone and it makes you awkward, or you think somebody's not doing it right, and therefore you're judging it because it's not perfect, it's going to rip the scene to shreds and the audience is going to feel really awkward. If you've ever been to improv, you've sat through an awkward improv scene. Am I right? Yes. All right. But one of the tenets of improv is everything is an offer. 
And for me, that's taught me so much about overcoming perfectionism, that no matter what happens in every moment, there is an opportunity to leverage that moment for good. And when you and I start loving with abandon, it frees us from the fear of messing up. It delivers us from perfectionism because we're walking into every moment with a sense of lightness that no matter what happens, love is present here and we're going to make it through to the other side. And in fact, not only are we going to make it through to the other side, we're probably going to either laugh or learn along the way. In life, every moment is a moment to laugh or learn. And when we live in love, this comes to life. In life, every moment is a moment to laugh or learn. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was leading worship back here, and uh, I love, wait, do you know what I'm about to say? <laughs> I love soda water, but it's not awesome when you have to be on stage and sing. Uh, so, I don't know if it was in the morning or the evening service, but I definitely burped in the microphone. <laughs> Matt remembers. Uh, and it was definitely audible. So lesson learned. Lesson learned. Don't drink soda water before going on stage and singing or speaking. It's not soda water today. It's just regular water. Um, and, uh, and the second thing is like in that moment, it was like, okay, well that just happened and everybody heard it. So what are we going to do? Are we going to crumble here in this moment because we are immobilized by the fear of getting everything right? Or are we just going to recognize that like we're a community of people who love and care for one another and it's an opportunity for levity? Let's just call it out and say, well, that happened. And just be present in it with one another, right? Do you feel the difference? The difference of being immobilized by perfection. And therefore, when something imperfect happens, we don't know what to do and we go into a moment of panic versus living with abandoned love that when something doesn't go right, it's an opportunity to either laugh or learn. When we love with abandon, we aren't immobilized by mistakes. We're freed to laugh, learn, and move forward. And so many amazing things happen in our lives when we move from this thing that's like, I have to get it all right, and I have to be good enough, and I have to have enough, into a place of saying, I'm gonna define my life by abandoned love that makes me look crazy in specific moments, that makes me do things that would make me otherwise totally afraid and I'm just going to step into those things because no matter what happens, I know I'm loved. And I'm not afraid of what other people are going to say, think, or do. And I'm not afraid that if we go into this moment and things don't go the way I planned, that life is going to end and things are going to fall apart. And it, it moves from like, not just like saying I'm free from the fear of those things. It actually moves us into a place of being able to do this. That even when things don't go right, it's an opportunity to make things even more awesome. That the difficult moments aren't something we eliminate from life, they're something we begin leveraging in life. That our mistakes aren't something we have to hide from and they're not something we just have to like gloss over, they're actually an opportunity for us to make a moment light and human. They're an opportunity for us to learn something about who we are and what life is and this thing that we're trying to do. 
And it becomes this thing that helps us grow and move forward when our lives are defined by love. So I'll end with this. A performance mentality is a self-fulfilling prophecy that leads us to a prison of isolation. But loving with abandon frees us into honest moments of connection with those around us. I think that's what we all need. I think that's what we all want, is those honest moments of connection with the people in our lives, those honest moments of connection with God. And I think those honest moments of connection only happen when we eliminate the performance mentality because the performance mentality where we're afraid, what are they going to think of me, leads us to a place of inward focusedness that ultimately isolates us from those people that we're so concerned what they think about us. And what we want is for them to love us, but we don't get them to love us by doing everything exactly right. And so when we have this performance mentality, it, it isolates us from those people because we're actually afraid of them. But when we're in a, in a place of abandoned love, it frees us into honest moments of connection with the people around us. It allows us to walk into relationship with them. It allows us to say to them, I am here and you are here and we are here in this thing. And no matter what happens, we are together in it. That's true for people and that's true for God. And that is what love is. And that is what faith is. And it doesn't mean we're never going to be disappointed. It just means we're going to be okay when things don't go the way we want them to. And we're going to be able to walk forward together. So I want for us today to live with abandoned love, to be freed from the pressure of having to get it all right so that we can live the abundant life we've been created to live. So let's stand together. And um, I just want to invite us to close our eyes and put your hands out in front of you. Again, like even this act of putting our hands out in front of us, it's like there are two ways to approach this. It's like, okay, I'll do it. Because what do I have to lose? Sure, like I'll put my hands out in front of me because so what what people think? So what if it's awkward? So what if I don't even feel like doing it? So what? Let me live from a place of faith and love as opposed to this other thing that's like, okay, is, well, is, is putting my hands in front of me like an act of faith? Is this in the, in the, in the box of like prescriptions that I've laid out of to how, like, how to get God to do what I want him to do? That's not what this is about. Or is it like, there's this other thing that's like, if I put my hands out in front of me, are people going to like open their eyes and peek and see me lifting my hands? Well, I'm not that kind of person who does that. Uh, let's be free from that. Let's be free from that. Let's be freed into a sense of abandonment that frees us from having to get everything right and caring so much about what people think. That allows us to be present in a moment with faith. That no matter what happens, we're going to be all right. your hands out in front of you, just think about that concept of loving with abandon. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to love with abandon? What do you think right now in your life is an example of how it's hard for you to do that? Where you have a difficult time loving with abandon? 
Maybe it's in certain circumstances. Maybe it's in certain ways. Maybe it's with certain people. Because you know it when you see it. You know it when you see a love that's defined by abandon. And isn't it beautiful? Isn't it good? Isn't it, the, isn't it the place where we want to live all the time? So why are we so committed to a performance mentality? Why do we hold on to it? Why do we fight for it? Why do we fight to let other people's opinions of us immobilize us? That's silly. But we do it. I do it. But think of those moments when you've been loved with abandon. Isn't it so much better? God, we want to be people who love with abandon. And honestly, like, we want to be people who are loved with abandon. And that doesn't always feel like it's present in our lives. That's hard. But I honestly think the two are 100% related. That the more we live in love with abandon, the more we experience love with abandon poured out over us. Because it allows us to tear down our own walls and make us people who are able to receive the love of those around us. So God, fill us with your love. Allow us to know your love. Allow us to be loved, experience your love in a, in a fresh and beautiful way here in this, mor- in this room this morning. God, would you connect our hearts with yours? God, would you connect our hearts with the hearts of the people around us? God, help us be loved. So as we sing these last two songs, let's sing them with an abandoned love. Let's take the first step. Let's let's be the ones to like show abandonment first. Let's start the succession of falling dominoes of love, of abandoned love among us. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.